Frank. Welcome back to another attack tonight of the anti-education leadership. This is episode 165. I'm your host, ID3 for Isaac Northern. Tonight's stars are Buddy Thornton, Danina Turner, and Dana Gossip French. Buddy Thornton, please say hello to the people. Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome tonight to my esteemed panel mates. Really looking forward to tonight. And Dana Gossip French, please say hello to the people. Hi everyone, thanks again for having me back and I am looking forward to a great conversation with such a terrific lineup. Absolutely, and Denita Turner, please say hello and welcome to the people. Hello, hello, beautiful people. I hope you are out there being well. I am Danita Turner with Manifest Education Solutions, and I am so honored to be a part of this awesome panel this evening. Spotify. Wonderful. Well, tonight's topic is 100 and Beyond Anti-Bullying Campaign presents Forgiveness and Reconciliation. First, I'm going to go to our panelists, Lady Thornton, Possible Change Agent Pro. You know, we have talked about this topic many, many times before reconciliation and forgiveness. And as a, a fourth generation household, what does this topic mean for you, sir? Forgiveness has to be embedded as a personal choice. Forgiveness is never about the other person, it's always about yourself and breaking the chains that hold you to something that is damaging your soul. That's what this topic means to me. We need so many more chain breakers in our homes, in our schools, in our society, even in our community. I believe every panelist on the panel tonight is just that they're chain breakers Dana Gosses French when I gave you this topic what was your inspiration what were your thoughts please share with us yeah thank you so I think for me I have thought a lot about the transition that I've gone through personally in terms of my understanding of forgiveness and I think it's a, it's a, it's a challenging topic uh, for all of us and in my earlier years I used to think it was reserved for large insults and large events that required us to then you know forgive to move on but I am coming to realize that there are so many small places and spaces where we need to forgive ourselves or one another to move along because it's those tiny little birds that are really blocking our path forward um, it's not just the big thing so I think forgiveness can be a daily effort and that's where my mind has taken me um, most recently in this journey that's so good I want to go next to Danila uh, Turner. You are an advocate in the workplace. And so you, you see constantly challenges, you see situations, you see things that help uh, the, or that could help uh, the professional development of certain colleagues in the, work, in the workplace. And so, 
you know, with this topic tonight, when I sent it to you, what what hit your mind? What, what what's your thoughts? I thought, thank you so much. I thought that this was um, so relevant to the important importance of wellness in the workplace. Because um, wellness, of course, we all know, doesn't just mean physical wellness. We're talking about emotional wellness as well. And we're talking about um, trying to restore trust, restore communication, restore relationship, restore healing. And speaking of the workplace, that true transformational learning that you want your staff to um, experience just like with children, they can't experience it to the fullest extent if they are hurting, if they are hurting at the hand of someone who is sitting there in the same meeting with them, if they have to sit and plan with a person who um, they have not been able to communicate with in a positive way, if they haven't been able to have their voice heard, um, if there has not been a space for um, communication so people are accountable for their actions and then there is a community where it has been communicated what the expectation is as far as how we interact with one another, how we do go about trying to restore, how we um, recognize people's differences and still be able to accomplish goals in that space. And um, one word that you said at the top of the meeting, validation. Validating is so important in this business. Um, you want each of your team members to be validated so they feel important, they feel heard, they feel like they're able to conquer um, things that they need to manage their, themselves, their own emotional intelligence, their own emotional um, self-regulation and self-awareness. Awareness. So um, that's what came to mind when I saw the two, uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. And when I think of it in the workplace, I've seen it time and time again, how it's so necessary in order to make sure that there is not a toxic culture and that all of your team members are well. Mm, it's so good. And I've said this many times before on this podcast and on this platform, and, and I think it's a, a gem. If it doesn't flow, let it go. If it doesn't flow, let it go. And so what does that mean? If you if you would go on a journey with me for a moment, because you talked about validity and validation, and you cannot really have uh, validation or validity without reability or, or reliability or and trustworthiness. So it has to be reliable in order to be valid and you have to have trust in that thing or faith in that thing uh, that's concrete right and so when I said when when I said the words if it doesn't flow let it go it reminded me of last year when we had a polar freeze I don't know if you remember the polar freeze that we had in the Midwest it was in the United States and the first thing they told us was you know store up some water and so I you know I went to my sink 
and I, I got to the sink too late. Thank goodness I got water. But I, I went to my sink and, and I, I turned on the faucet and nothing came out. And so I turned it off and I turned it back on again and nothing came out. And I, I kept repeating this over and over and over and over again. And then it, it, it occurred to me, hey, if it's not flowing, let it go. If it doesn't flow, let it go. And so when there's an argument in the workplace, when there's miscommunication at home or in a relationship or between peers, how important is it to let it go if it doesn't flow? Who wants to take that? The panel's open. Who wants to take that? I'll jump back in. Um, I, I have to tell you that um, um, I, in the workplace, I don't think that that's the optimal solution because um, just letting it go, what that implies to me is that um, whatever the cause is for it not flowing, that hasn't been addressed. And um, that's important to acknowledge, um, the reason for why it's not flowing. Um, and again, if, if we just let it go, then it's very likely that it's going to reoccur. It's going to fester. It's going to grow. Um, and that's just the opposite of where we want things to go. So... Um, Things like restorative practices for adults, um, that's allowing it to flow, allowing whatever the um, argument or the disagreement, the strife is, that's allowing for it to be heard. It's allowing it to also be set a standard for the rest of the team so they can also um, set standards. And, and you mentioned something earlier about being able to rely on um, your voice being heard or the tr being able to establish and restore trustworthiness. And that's where systems come in into place, I believe. And you have to have a system where everyone is held accountable to upholding the values in that system and making sure that they are communicating and communicate what it is that needs to be communicated, if it's not received, then you let it go. <laughs> um, you have communicated it. You have expressed um, your affirmations. You have um, communicated how you feel, what you would like to have happened, et cetera. Um, and then it gives space for conversation around it, and it also encourages others to have conversation around it, to normalize, not just letting it go right away and ignoring it, um, but and just keeping it pushing without absolutely looking for a solution first. Look at you. Okay. Okay. So I'd love to piggyback on this, if I may. Um, Danita spoke earlier about um, workplace strife and potentially 
adult to adult workplace bullies and if you're you know in a meeting where you're hurting you're not going to be at your maximum and I will say I worked in a situation very much like this um, where I was the target of probably a very hurting person um, but they uh, saw me as someone to to bully frankly in the workplace and it does cut down on productivity and you do lose your voice and I can see why letting it flow would be a real a challenge because you want to remedy this so that we can all work. Um, but I'm struck by this because I think this could be a yes and situation where it may not, it may be able to be both. Viktor Frankl um, said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And to me, this really helped me get through a challenging time where I recognized that while I needed to hold this person accountable for her um, behavior and I needed to have a voice and stand up to that, I also needed to flow in myself. I could choose to not allow that wound to fester and infect me as well. I could choose to breathe through that. I could choose to become in alignment and truly have the power in the situation where I had originally felt powerless. So I do believe we could look at both sides of this coin and, and have them coexist. Um, to piggyback on what Dana um, just explained, that's where I believe it also is such a great importance for us to place um, a lot of training and professional development around emotional intelligence because someone may have the emotional intelligence to know that, you know what, this is not what I, I don't need to engage in this. Um, and they can work through it and they have the tools and strategies to resolve it or flow in a different way. Um, but if someone is not really in control or they're not able to express their emotions, even if it's to themselves to acknowledge it, um, it, it can also end up turning into something that's not well for that person, that individual person. That, that's why they ask on your resume, how much experience do you have? Because they know if you have a lot of experience, it's kind of like, I like to eat. I'm sorry, I like to eat. I don't know about y'all. So and I like to cook. And so the thing I like about grandma when she was alive is she had so many cookbooks. And when I was a little kid, I didn't understand why she had so many cookbooks. But every cookbook she had had different recipes, had different ingredients. And she could cook one thing like a hundred different ways. And it could, she can make it low salt, she can make it a lot of salt, she can make it, you know, uh, sugar free, she can make it with so much sugar, you'd be laid out somewhere on the couch. But she had the experience in the kitchen where she can make cornbread from scratch and it would taste better than any restaurant you've ever been in your, your whole life. I'm sorry, it was just that good. And so, I want to pull on Buddy Thornton because we're talking about experience. And but before I do, Denise Turner, please tell us a little bit about what you got going on currently out there on the East Coast. 
Absolutely. So we have a couple of events that are coming up. Um, on August the 9th, we have the Power of Circles, where we're looking at how restorative circles can be so powerful, not just for um, your restorative practices, but also academically setting goals, um, starting the year off, setting expectations, um, communicating them, and being able to use restorative circles to go back and reiterate um, your expectations and uh, also give voice to students and to staff for what they would like to be included in expectations, what they think their mission and goals should be. So we have that event August the 9th, and then August the 15th through the 19th, we have our five-day self-care challenge. So we can help educators start the year off right, including administration. You know, oftentimes um, men are left out of that, but they need to um, be a part of wellness in the workplace as well. So we have our five-day challenge so they can start the year off focusing on their self-care and it doesn't get placed to the back burner like sometimes it does when we get into the um, routine of things for the school year. And then in November, there will be a wellness summit, Mind, Body, and Soul, where Ora D. Jackson and Danielle Holmes, I will be um, blessed with their presence as we hold a uh, SEL summit. So that's what we have going on over here on the East Coast. It sounds like a lot. How can we get in contact with you? I am at, on Instagram, I'm at manifest underscore ed underscore solutions. And Facebook, I am at manifest education solutions group. And you can find me there. I'm also on other handles. Um, if you check me out there, you'll see all my other ways that you can get in touch with me. WhatsApp, Clubhouse, etc. And you heard it first. Thank you so much. Let me go back to Blade Thorne, the process change agent pro. Sir, how you doing, sir? And what are your thoughts so far based on what you heard? Both of the ladies have been extremely well into this topic. They have de de dove right in based on their expertise. <clears throat> I hear emotional intelligence. What I'm not hearing is social intelligence and cultural intelligence. In a diverse uh, environment, we have to have... Uh, all of the forms of intelligence. Gardner has eight or nine forms of intelligence which are standardized, but the newer ones, the emotional, the cultural, the social intelligences, those are soft skill driven and they depend on the interaction between diverse people and diverse populations. And especially on the two coasts in America, diversity is a huge, huge topic. Uh, not so much in the Midwest or in the central states, but we have to understand that emotional intelligence is probably the granddaddy of them all, and it drives the other ones. But social intelligence, the ability to interact with other people, and cultural intelligence, the ability to interact and thrive in multiple cultures, are rapidly catching up. And a lot of that depends on our ability to look at people and uh, and face them uh, transparently head on. So that's what I've gotten from the conversation so far. 
Absolutely. You know, I, I want to apologize because I've, I've, I've given this title as if there's, there's a cure for this, this thing we call forgiveness. Uh, I've said like it was, you know, an, an antecedent for this thing that we call reconciliation. And, and I want to apologize for that because I think it takes a special person to take on those challenges. Um, Mr. Thornton, buddy, Thornton, you are the positive social change agent pro, right? And so, you know, I want to know how, how you, how did you get to this point? You, you have a heart for humanity. I know that you're a compassionate person and you're consistent. And you're consistent, yet you've, I've witnessed it personally, you've been heartbroken over and over and over and over again. If you were bred, you would be all crumbled up. But yet you have the, the knack you have the the vision you have the grace the discipline the ability to do life as a positive social change agent how did you get to this point we want we want to hold your hand as you let us walk with you and we promise we're going to listen. When I was younger, I really struggled with forgiveness. I was always under the impression that I had to make my way through the world. I left home before I graduated high school, joined the military, and basically never looked back. Luckily, God graced me with a wonderful wife, whom I've been married to for more than 48 years, and she opened me up to a lot of different possibilities, but you are right. Through our through our time together, we've run into some pretty strenuous things. We've had a child who had to go to prison for 10 years. We had a child who was developmentally disabled and is in his 40s now and is basically our cross to bear. And we can be really bitter about some of these things, but to what end does that get you? Grace and mercy are two sides of the same coin, and you have to choose grace for yourself and others, and you have to show mercy in almost all instances. The way I look at it is I follow choice theory. Uh, Dr. William Glasser developed choice theory. He's a, a psychologist and a psychiatrist, and he uh, tells people they have to control themselves. They control their actions, their minds, their thoughts, their emotions, their their souls, but they, they control absolutely nobody else. So if you're not going to forgive somebody else, what exactly are you expecting? I don't expect apologies. When someone does something wrong, I forgive them and I move on because I don't want to be chained to that pain. I don't want to be chained to the emotion of waiting for someone else to come back full circle to me. If I feel like I've wronged somebody, I immediately put together an effective apology and I do not ask for forgiveness. That is a choice they have to make on their own. 
Uh, I don't look at life from a position of reconciliation. I start with conciliation. How do we build bridges and how do we avoid conflict and how do we make sure that when we start to step on a landmine, how do we avoid it? How do we make sure that we are always seeking a better connection? Reconciliation is assuming that there is a problem existing that you either created or you knew about and did nothing about. And reconciliation is a path for people who don't take pro-social steps. That's why when I look at the word reconciliation, I'm always wondering what's the conflict behind it and what was my contribution to that conflict. Forgiveness, however, forgiveness is the toughest when it's for yourself. You really, really have to understand that. When you can't forgive yourself for something, you're going to find it very difficult to forgive others. So my journey started with God giving me the right woman in my life and a family that surrounds me and supports me. And even though we've gone through some really tough times and there's been some really bad problems, we still come back together full circle. There's a forgiveness that's not implied, it's actively pursued. And that's part of the reason why society itself has problems today. People don't pursue forgiveness. They pr pursue division. They pursue contentiousness. They want the fight. When you look at the political arena, that's one of the ways you can identify it very easily in society. The politicians could come up with solutions for almost every social ill that we have but it serves their interest to be in conflict because it extends their importance, it extends their relative power, and it allows them to maintain and sustain what drives society, which is conflict and constant stress. So where do we find forgiveness? Well, <laughs> humanity needs to find forgiveness in a way that will allow us to break down the desire to hang, hang on to power, to hang on to being angry with other people. Because when you're angry with somebody else and you seek anything other than forgiveness, basically that's a form of vengeance. And as uh, the ancients say, if you're going to pursue vengeance, before you do, dig two holes. One for the person you're going after and one for yourself. Chain to pain, but yet pursuing forgiveness the panel is open it's not going to be open long but it's going to be open long enough for us to comment on what we just heard and please let's be transparent let's go around the panel who wants to comment on what you just heard first I'll take that I found that really interesting considering um, the difference between reconciliation and conciliation. And, you know, my um, self-imposed moniker is a language professional, and I really I love tearing apart words. And when you first said reconciliation, I thought about the roots of these words. And it's re, right, again, and concile comes from together, right, in the root. And so it's bringing back together. Right. And there's an assumption that those individuals were once together. But when I think of forgiveness, I think of it as really, truly 
a person's internal process. When we seek validation from an external place, then we seek to, we align that with providing, giving forgiveness or asking for forgiveness. When really the healing comes from looking within and within that sphere. So in that in that sense, reconciliation to me is about becoming whole again inside oneself, right? Becoming a full operating organism that doesn't require the permission of the outside world or the validation from the outside world to move forward and in their life, to in their happiness, in their pursuit of their goals. Because once you give that power away to the outside world, then you're at the whim of that world. So to me, reconciliation is about becoming, coming back together and becoming whole within oneself. I want to go to Danita Turner next. We've, we've had a conversation about forgiveness and reconciliation. But let's talk about resetting. Let's talk about reforming. Let's talk about restoring. And so my question for you is, why, why is focusing on social, emotional learning for adults? Why is restorative practicing practices and emotional intelligence so crucial and so necessary for victims for, from victims that have been traumatized from all sorts of things abuse for once what's your thoughts Um, like I said um, before, many of these practices intertwine, and the more you pull from each practice and weave them together, it it just builds a, a stronger blanket to cover. Um, and and when we're talking about victims, it's so important to provide them a space to be heard, to be understood to um, allow ourselves internally to understand what we're feeling and to be able to express that as well. Um, it's important to be able to set boundaries, to have a space to know that you can set healthy boundaries and parameters and um, communicate them in a safe space going forward so you're able to function and so you're able to show up your biggest, brightest self, um, even though you have gone through trauma, even though you may or may not be at the healing stage yet, it's important to still be able to set goals, um, to be able to still try to get either get back to a state or to strengthen your state where you're able to engage in practices that build human connection. And um, if the trauma had anything to do with affecting a person's identity, it, you know, if, there's, if the trauma is at that depth of a level, it's very important that they have those SEL practices for adults to help build their healthy identity back up to um, 
be able to feel and show empathy and so they aren't left hardened um, in, in education. It's very hard to be um, an effective uh, educator and really be able to be a benefit to all your stakeholders, your colleagues, parents, community students, everyone. Um, if you're not able to show empathy, and those, that FTL for adults allowed you to build empathy, to recognize empathy, um, to make caring decisions, um, responsible, supportive decisions. So that's why it's so important for adults to engage and embody restorative practices and engage in their, uh, increase their capacity for social emotional learning. And, um, and not only will it benefit them themselves, and you know, like I said, I advocate for wellness in the workplace. It will help their wellness when they step in that building every day. Um, but it also is ultimately going to fall back on our, our clients who we serve. Educators, they have a passion for serving students, serving the parents of those students, uh, serving the community, getting the community involved to help those um, stakeholders as well. So it's important that adults are able to embody the things that we want to see in our children, in our students, as they are growing into productive citizens who may have already experienced trauma or they may experience it and they have tools and strategies to maneuver through that. Mm. Wow. Anybody want to come in on what Denita just said? Denita Turner just said? Back, uh, I, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I think it was almost an entire lifetime ago pre-COVID, but I had a chance to present at the IIRP conference, and uh, that stands for International Institute of Restorative Practices. And uh, you'll be familiar with this, Isaiah. That was where Tough Conversations and Tough Choices was born. Because when I was speaking and people were interacting with me and asking questions afterwards, it always revolved around to the tough conversation of forgiveness and how to get through and how to work through conflict. And it always circled back to the emotional and social and cultural intelligences that we brought up. up. But people were so hesitant to pull the trigger on their choices. And it took a long time to get them to understand that nobody else is going to make the choice for you. No one's going to force you into a corner uh, because then you feel like you're trapped and then you make choices based on other people's choices. And so that's no solution. And tough conversations, tough choices is the epitome of restorative practices. When you've got the temerity to stand up and say, you know, I'm just not going to live this existence anymore. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to take action and I will just worry about forgiving myself later if it incenses anybody else or creates any kind of a situation. But I've got to do this for myself because otherwise I can't forgive myself and I can't live with myself. And what Danita said is very true. We live to serve other people so much that sometimes we forget that we have to look inside and we have to build back what we've allowed to get torn apart inside. So, you know, we have to just remember that. Restorative practices starts by restoring ourselves. 
And see, I love what you said because, and what Danita said because uh, it's measurable. It, it's an assessment that's measurable and and there's a rubric. And that's the best way to track. That's the best way to monitor. And that's the best way to self-assess having a rubric to show you, to guide you as you're progressing, as you're growing. That's why we had to bring back Dana Gastic French because she is the rubric guru. Uh, Dr. French, how you doing and what you got going on currently? I am doing great. Uh, we're busy over here at Upriver Education. We are partnering with several new school districts, getting ready, building out some PD, ready to welcome teachers back, and, um, and, and get ready to serve multilingual learners, which is our focus. Um, we, up in, in September, we we're going to have some LinkedIn Lives, some Instagram Lives coming up to give a little teaser to an upcoming webinar that's going to be taking place on the 16th. Um, I am collaborating. I'm, yeah, I'm collaborating with um, Dr. Melanie Battles from Scholars for the Soul, and we're going to be doing a series called Beyond the Buzzwords, and we're really going to be lifting equity off the page. You know, this is for educational leaders who want to take action, who are tired of seeing equity on paper, and they're ready to see it in action. So we're going to look at disproportionality, the value of family-based and community-based frameworks. We're going to unpack and reframe a lot of that and take a special focus on cultural and linguistic equity and excellence. So I'm really excited for that. So if anyone wants to check out um, my LinkedIn at my at name, Dana Gasta Crunch, or Upriver Education, they can find out more. You are a educational leader. And so I'm going to ask you a question, and we want to peek. We want to peek in to your world. And we want you to be transparent like you always are with us so that we can learn and grow. I'm thinking of the term growth mindsets. What I love about Carol Dweck, Dr. Carol Dweck, is that she said you have either fixed mindsets or you have growth mindsets. And so we want to grow. And what you're about to tell us is going to grow our minds. As an educator, how do you, how do you tackle? How do you finesse? How do you manage or ensure your goals match your purpose? and that they are crystal clear when communicating those purposes to the people you're working with. And how do you do all this while you are loving yourself? Meaning you find time is having three children, a husband, a career, <laughs> you find time to with all that love yourself I think that's important I think it's important to pamper yourself 
you you're giving back to so many people in the world. How you do all this? How you make sure you dot your eyes, you cross your T's, and you match all of this with your purpose? How do you do? That's what I'm asking. How do you do what you do? What's your schedule? Talk about it. Thank you. So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was that your values as a professional are no different than your values as a person. So oftentimes we go through these exercises where you know, we're in the workplace and we choose our professional values. And we can be under the impression that they can be different than the values of who we are at home. But really, who we are personally carried through all of, all of these places and spaces, we're that same soul, right? So I think you said a really important word here, Isaiah, which is communicate. And communication really starts with knowing and understanding. And when you talk about goals, I really do see goals and purpose as related, but purpose is really the umbrella here. And our goals need to be stopped along the way gearing towards our purpose, right? They should be gears that all work together in pursuit of that purpose, in pursuit of that why, in pursuit of that core belief system that you uphold no matter who you are or where you are, whether that's at home with my family, whether that's in my work. And, you know, I experienced a time where I was working um, with a lot of goals, but it wasn't in alignment with my purpose, I thought it was, but I realized I wasn't in a place where I could affect the change I wanted to. And so I had to do a lot of what Danita talked about, which is really set those boundaries, understand oneself, and then speak up for oneself, right? Because we're only effective if we understand that core why, that core purpose, and we curate our lives to match. And I use this word really intentionally. Um, I came to know a woman during um, my 20 years um, in the K-12 education sector who was very, um, very slow to say yes to anything. And I used to think she was kind of challenging. And then I came to recognize that she had really clear understanding of herself and her drive and what fed her energy and her reserves and what depleted her. And she didn't just make choices in her life. She curated her life. And I started to watch and observe and learn. And I recognized that every moment we have a choice in whatever comes to us, whether that's a professional choice, who we connect with, what business we take on, what activities we say yes to. And if that isn't in alignment, then perhaps we need to impact, affect those boundaries and say, you know what, this isn't a place for me. This is going to deplete. Over here, however, this is going to help me grow. And so for me, once I started to really get clear on my core calling and my core why, every choice I make feeds me. And so do I get tired physically? Of course, I work a lot. 
but I also pray a lot and love a lot and I am in a better position to do so because my work is feeding me so I think it's really about coming into alignment within oneself knowing oneself and then curating your world around you to to match OMG okay the panel is open Panel is open. Here we go. I'm about to throw a bum at you guys. Now, this bum was not curated by me. It was Miss French. Mrs. French said this. What is your core why? And the panel is open. And I want to know what is, we want to know, what is your why? What is your core why? Who wants to go first? I think I'll tackle that one first. Oh, go ahead. I think that given my mission in life and the way I feel that I'm blessed with a wonderful family, I really seek to find ways to get other people to that peaceful place that I've been in. And because I want to honor Dr. Gastic Fringe's explanation of conciliation from her perspective, Uh, I'm going to throw one of them $27 words at her because she's a linguist and uh, I want her to think about this, but the goal of forgiveness and conciliation is the avoidance of schismogenesis. Schismogenesis occurs when people don't seek forgiveness and they don't seek internalizing conciliation and understanding that peace is far better than anything else. So my, my why is I want everyone to find peace and I want them to avoid the horror of not being able to forgive, especially uh, when it's an absolute necessary thing for them to get beyond being uh, mentally challenged or, or hyper-focused on the negative. Oh, buddy, you are speaking my language with these words. I love it. <laughs> Um, So my why is simple. It's diversity begets humanity. And I truly believe that the more diverse we are in perspective, in um, linguistic background, cultural, ethnic belief, um, the more humane we are to one another. We need exposure in order to build that humanity. And so um, my work really just seeks to celebrate um, the diverse languages and systems and see that as assets and cultures that are in our country and beyond okay so my why is I have um, I've taught in multiple settings um, and have been an administrator in multiple settings and um, I had an experience I've had multiple experiences where I have seen educators whose passion was in the right place. They were excellent educators, wanted to do right by children, but they got to a point where they were not able to anymore uh, without breaking down at work or um, a, a couple of occasions I've had to literally talk people off of the figurative ledge. Um, I, I've seen firsthand what it's like and eventually it became me where I was burnt out. And um, I know what that feels like. And so 
That is my why. That's why I advocate for educators, for anyone in any high-stress, overwhelming, any position that can be overwhelming. They deserve to make sure that someone is looking out for their wellness so they can show up and do their job and walk away and go home without feeling a um, pounds of stress on them from being in the workplace. So that is my why. Mm, mm, mm. Takeaways for the night for me, the root word of forgiveness is give. You have to be charitable to give. Who do you give to first? You give to yourself. Make sure yourself is good first, and then you can forgive everybody else. What are the takeaways for the night? We are out of time. Well, who wants to go first? I'll go, um, and just to say that it's all a process, and as Brene Brown likes to say, it's messy in the middle, but no one's alone in this. We are all in process, and we need to first forgive ourselves our imperfections. I'm going to piggyback on that Brene Brown uh, quote, uh, but I have my own quote, and it's in various different uh, iterations, but the main one is, Life is messy. Everyone has to deal with messy, and how you deal with messy defines you. And the fastest and the easiest way to deal with messy is to learn to forgive, exhibit grace, and role model both. And I would also like to say that um, I am so glad. My major takeaway is I'm so invigorated when I realize I am not alone in this fight. that there are other fabulous people such as yourselves um, fighting for the same cause and uh, I'm really honored to be a part of the mission. Leadership Podcast. Follow us. Follow us. Follow us. Facebook.